Welcome to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me, we got Jameson. Ty, unfortunately, uh, due to reasons only known by the deep state, is uh, being being hampered and uh, cannot cannot join us tonight. But that's okay. Uh, shout out to Cox. You're terrible. Um, OU won a football game yesterday, uh, and we're here to talk about it. Uh, once again, not super pretty, but there were some improvements to talk about. Um, now, if you're listening to this and like, hey... Uh, going to talk about some Texas? Yes, just not this time. We're waiting on that one. Uh, we wanted to give the OU Texas game its due, just as we wanted to give this Kansas State win its due as well. Um, but anyways, before we dive into Texas later on this week, let's wrap this up. Uh, Jameson, overall, your thoughts on the game? Uh, I know you were frustrated with the defense, but was this a substantial improvement to you? Yeah, overall from the eye test it was. There's a lot of things that are very fixable that I thought, um, you know, finishing and stopping them on fourth downs. They were five for five on fourth downs. I got some stats about fourth downs that I'll hit you with you later whenever we talk more in depth about the defense. Um, But overall, I think Lincoln Riley finally had his smartest and best called game. He finally tailored what his play calling was to the strengths of our offense. Lincoln Riley knew that Spencer was having trouble throwing the ball down the field, getting receivers open. So therefore he gave him a couple little gimmick um, gadget plays and some short little screens to get him going and made it where Spencer was 22, 25, 88% throwing the ball. Um, So that, I think that was extremely key. And then we've been calling for it for a while. Kennedy Brooks got his fair share of carries. Yeah, no, I, I mean, absolutely. That was the biggest thing. The biggest difference between the offense in this game versus the offense in the other games is Lincoln Riley's ability to get his playmakers the football. Um, Marvin Mims, we saw him uh, make make a, a lot more appearances. Um, obviously, Kennedy Brooks, the running game, existed for once. And uh, Jeremiah Hall had a good, uh, really good game as well. And what what you saw him do is just kind of get receivers, get his backs... Uh, out into space, just dump it off to him for a little side go, and uh, just let him work. Uh, I, I believe on one of those earlier drives, even uh, he was like lining up Marvin Mims in the backfield. That that's mm-hmm. how, that's how creative he got. He, he made a lot of changes, and that's what that's what a good a good play caller, a good coach does. Is you know he he sees issues and he implements things to change it. And, you know, that, that's so much better than just banging your head against the wall and uh, hoping the same thing will finally fit. Um, but, yeah, a, a good game for Spencer. Offensively, really as good as it gets. Um, of course, there were some issues. Um, the O-line, completely undisciplined yet again uh, with, with just too many false starts, too many uh, – just kind of dumb penalties, but they blocked better, which is, that's, that's a plus. Um, and you know, just a couple tiny quirks, tiny issues, uh, Caleb Williams, uh, having the ball snapped over his head or I guess technically under him. So yeah, it wasn't perfect, but it was better. So, yeah. And, and, and like, I, like I said this earlier, I think that, and you kind of hinted at it too. Um, I had not seen Lincoln Riley play a game nor Oklahoma offense play a game where they looked comfortable and they were within their element. 
this game looked like Oklahoma offense. We were, like you said, we we're getting the ball to our halfbacks, which is our identity. Jeremiah Hall getting two touchdowns. That's big for us. We established the run game, which opened up the pass game in the short term. You know, we did not have much of a big play, but whenever uh, Marvin Mims did have his big catch, it was kind of like the, oh, wow, I hadn't seen something like that in a while. It felt really nice. It did. It, it just for once, like everything was working the way it should. Um, and, you know, they didn't get a. They didn't really get out there a lot, but when they were out there, they're phenomenal. Uh, only, th- I believe, some like three drives in the first half, which is just crazy. Um, and I, I have to ask, do you think teams are kind of, this is kind of more of a defensive question, but it kind of has to do with the offense as well. Do you think teams are intentionally game planning these like long, like slog type drives to keep uh, OU's offense off? Because the best defense on the on the field uh, yesterday was Kansas State's offense by far. Yeah, absolutely they are. I, you've seen this in multiple games, and it's what works as an underdog. You know, if you can keep that offense off the field and give them a limited amount of possessions, that's going to guarantee that it's going to stay closer. Um, and it comes down to our biggest problem, and I've been saying this for the whole year, is finishing. We are not finishing plays. We're not finishing tackles. We're not finishing drives. We're kicking too many field goals. And most importantly, we're not getting the defense off the field on third and fourth down. Let me shoot you some stats. Because K-State was five for five on fourth down on Saturday, that just hurt my brain. I was like, I feel like we've had way too many fourth downs given up. We've had 12 fourth downs converted against us. Teams are 12 of 19 versus us in the fourth down. That is 100th out of 130 in the nation. That is inexcusable for a team that has been talking about being one of the best defenses in the nation. Then I thought about third down. At least it's a little bit better at 45th, but still should be way better from our opponents that we played this year. We haven't been playing, you know, these top-end opponents that have just been murdering us. It's We've been getting these teams that are just chipping away at us. 100th on fourth down, 12 total just enraged me whenever I saw that on numbers. And honestly, I... I can't believe I'm even asking this, but they. I wonder what the stats would look like for on third or fourth down because even the successes on third down, you know, K State would go and go for it on fourth and completely negate anything you did on third. So that 45 number, you know, is probably worse if you look at, um, you know, just overall successes at getting them off the damn field. Um, and by the way, that one time they they actually got them off on fourth was because uh, the K-State guy dropped it and damn near didn't. It took a review to like overturn that. So it it really kind of was more of a five for five uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, I, I mean, it was a broken play defensively. Guy was wide open and just, it, it just, the pass didn't get through. Um, but, you know, it, anyways, uh, that's that's an issue that I, I think OU needs to figure out because they, they, they have this bend but don't break defense and just it 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 works kind of uh because you 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 kind of grind them down towards the end of the game but in general it it means their offense can't start humming and uh i i gotta give you got to give the offense credit for you know not letting that take them out of rhythm or take them out of momentum uh because momentum rhythm wise that was easily the best uh offensive performance i've seen in quite a while they were getting whatever they wanted K-State couldn't really tackle much. The uh, the holes were wide open. Um, 
and I got to ask you, like, uh, with Radler, you know, having such the week that he had, uh, where does this rank in terms of his all-time performances in terms of a get-back game, uh, in terms of, you know, the narrative around it? You know, maybe not the most statistically pleasing game, but uh, it, it certainly kind of felt like a moment in a way. It, like, like I said, I don't think this is a flashy, like, look what Spencer did. He finally replied to all the hate. No, we just gave Spencer what he needed to do and stopped trying to force him into plays that he's not comfortable in. I, like I said, our receivers, um, whenever they are getting open for deep routes, Spencer's not getting it to him. There's, you know, another instance in this game where Spencer missed deep ball. Um, so it just shows that it, let's stop trying to throw deep balls and force it whenever there's two high safeties because his accuracy isn't there where he isn't putting in the exact spot he needs to be. Let's just play um, across the field, play the short routes, play the screen game. And that's exactly what we did. So, yes, and, like, statistically, you know, being 88% um, from the pass is very good, and there was a lot going on. The K-State fans, as you were there and heard, were definitely just playing it on even more. But, um, like I said, I think that was going to be positive for Spencer, going away from OU and having this chip on his shoulder and coming out and performing. Um, as long as OU plays within themselves, and like you said, stop trying to shove a square peg into a circle, um, I think we'll be just fine on offense. We just got to finish when it comes down to tackling and finishing drives on defense. Absolutely, and we'll talk about the defense a lot, lot more in depth for sure. Um, but you're right, playing with the the, the – the phrase you said there, playing within yourself, is like the biggest thing. Because they, they don't have to be these dynamo teams of the past. Just just move the ball down the field and score. Uh, if that means a, you know, a death by a thousand cuts, a bunch of Jeremiah Hall, you know, little, little you know, dink and dunks and, you know, just kind of slow. Underhand down. passes. The underhand. <laughs> underhand pass all the way down the field. The scoop pass. <laughs> oh, man. But, um. I will say that was a rocket atmosphere for sure. K-State came out fired up. They were mad. Um, some of the louder – it was so good to be back in a, a visiting a, a stadium. Um, but, man, they, they – I thought I thought people were going to storm the field after those two officiating decisions uh, went against them. They were mad. Uh, and just in general, it, it was – if every game's going to be like this, road games are going to be both fun and intimidating uh, for the rest of OU's time as a lame duck uh, in the Big 12 because uh, whew, that that's intense. There, there's a lot of anger in Manhattan. And the funniest part about it is so much of it was directed towards Texas, which is just like so funny to me that OU... People have been, I believe, uh, Red Dirt Sport once referred to uh, OU as using Texas as a human or as a as a meat shield for all of the criticism. People were throwing horns down. There was an upside down Texas flag at the tailgates. People hate Texas, and OU honestly had just as much to do with this as they did. But uh, I, I really do enjoy how Texas is getting blamed for it. We don't have the Longhorn Network, so that's probably where a lot of it comes from. I mean, obviously, Texas. Um... They view themselves, you know, financially as the number one team in the country when it comes down to net revenue. Um, so, yeah, they are kind of the powerhead, even though probably, you know, they wouldn't have gone unless OU was going with them. But I really want to talk about this, um, you know, the big plays and the reviews because that was a big part of this game and kind of like um, what you thought about it from the stadium. Let's talk about the double doink kick. Um, the double kick, because I as soon as I saw that right off the bat, I was like, he double kicked it. 
Um, but so they went in, they reviewed the spot and they said, Oh, he got 10 yards and didn't, there was no illegal touching that point. Um, but then Lincoln challenged it and they re-reviewed it, which is against the law. I mean, I'm going to get the law against the rules that you can't review a play that has already been reviewed and finalized, but there's a big controversy. So is it, was this a good call to go back and change this? Um, or did they not do their due diligence the first time? And it was kind of like the OJ verdict. <laughs> well, uh, well, okay. I like that. Uh, well, here's the thing. So from the stadium, nobody could tell the double doink. The only time I, the only time I, I really felt comfortable about that is when I pulled up Twitter and, and looked at it. Um, because for some reason they weren't, sh- they, they were showing the, the review, um, but they were no, they never showed that 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 very clear uh, angle you got on the ABC broadcast, uh, where it was kind of from that that side view. Um, and until I saw that side view, that was when I was like, okay, this is clearly a double doink. Um, but you're 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 kind of right with the you can't review the same thing twice. But the thing is, you can't review an aspect of a play twice. Um, in that case, they looked specifically at the at you know, did he go ten yards? Uh, but they didn't look at the double doink, which made it okay because there's a total different part of this that they just missed. Um, and on their end, they're idiots. They should have absolutely checked that out um, because, come on, it was obvious if you saw that angle. Yeah, but no, um, it's it's really it's really tough though because they did review if there was illegal touching before he it hit the ten yards. Because the whole biggest thing is, did he touch it before the ball crossed the plane of the ten yard marker? Because that's what they went and challenged the play there. Lincoln said that it was touched before the 10 yard marker because it was immediately touched right after the kick. So in actuality, they were just looking at a different part of the play. They weren't looking at the first yard that was, it was kicked. They were looking at the ninth and 10th yard. So I'm honestly on the side of K state fans where I think by the rules, I don't think that it could have been, you know, after they've already determined and reviewed it the first time and they already checked for illegal touching, they just didn't check in the right places and not didn't do their due diligence. And I think that they got it wrong. They they would they got the call correctly, but playing by the rules, I don't think they did it right. I, I see where the where you're coming from on that, but the whole point of review should be getting it right. Um and uh, it. I, I know I'm biased. I, if it was if it was the other end, I could be I I would definitely probably be upset about it. But at the end of the day, it was the right decision. Um, mm-hmm. You're but, right. But you so yeah. Be mad at the refs for you know I guess kind of you know giving you blue balls on this. But uh, at the same time, you know that's kind of on them. You know, obviously it doesn't matter who you're mad at. But uh, it was at the end of the day the right thing to do, the correct call. Um, and I, I don't think there's, there's too much to be upset about, uh, mm-hmm. with that one because, you know, they got it right. It just took them yeah. way too long to get it right. Yeah. And then the other play that I guess everyone was really mad at, um, in Manhattan was the fourth down, not catch. So I, I did my math wrong. It wasn't five for five. So it was at least over 80% conversion rate on fourth down. Ergo, that is horrible for OU's yeah. defense. Um, but what, what was that perceived as? Cause that was clear as day, a drop. 
on replay but was that just um fans just being angry at the situation in general and just there's so many times what we see in sports and it's one of my least favorite things if something doesn't go a fan's way and it just doesn't go even though it's clear on the replay that you guys like dropped the pass or there was a foul in basketball and you know fans boo just because it doesn't go their way was it more so like that or that was some legitimate anger there it uh I feel like we don't realize how bad the scoreboards can be. Uh, even though these are nice, brand new scoreboards, um, the detail is just not even remotely the same as you know watching it on your phone. Um, so the like out of play like that, it, I it was kind of undeterminable. But um, I think they legitimately thought he caught it. I, they because they thought he had control the entire time. When he he didn't, it moved. It was laying on the damn field uh, mm-hmm. so that that was one where i i think i think the biggest thing was the scoreboards there um you know because it just the detail wasn't there uh that was especially especially the case with the double kick uh that you could not tell at all that it was uh, kicked twice um but yeah i think i think some of that has to do with the scoreboards and uh as a fan you kind of if you want to be a educated fan you just have to realize you know what I can't really see this right. Like you, you don't know what's going on. Let's. Be I just honest. thought of Winnie the Pooh in his little tuxedo, an educated fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an exactly. OU fan, an educated fan. Winnie yeah, the we're, Pooh. We're just sitting there with that smirk. Yes, yeah, just <laughs> yes. like uh, verbal meme. You know, first first poo is all like, oh, "That's bullshit. That's our ball." Educated fan. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, though. Honestly, yeah. but I, that, those are big things, and there's a lot of controversy in this game. Um, but overall, a lot of it went OU's way. Um, you know, when it comes down to spreads, yeah, K State got the backdoor cover through the, the kickoff. Um, and there's a lot of penalties on the offensive line. So let's just hop in and break down the offensive side of the ball. And I want to start with the offensive line because although they had a good game, they played much better than they had in the last week um, versus West Virginia. Uh, and just schematically and blocking wise, there's still a lot of things to be concerned about. I took first note of, of Andrew Rame is not this freshman phenom, redshirt freshman phenom that Creed Humphrey is. We've got to stop comparing them. I understand they're both Oklahoma guys and they're both very highly touted um, guys. Well, Bill Beanbow loves both of them. Great high character people, but he's not Creed Humphrey. Um, there was a couple plays that he just completely whiffed on blocks and he looked lost out there. I think the center position is a problem for us right now. And you can tell that um, Creed Humphrey being there, even if he wasn't blocking perfectly, because he had a couple of pressures given up last year and kind of didn't do as well as we thought he would be. He was commanding the offense blind, telling them where to go and was very good as, you know, being the leader of that team. Andrew Rain stepping in there as, you know, his first time and he didn't even start for the first game of the season. He's not that. So we just cannot compare the two at all. Yeah, no, absolutely you can't. Um, and, you know, I, I think more than anything, it should highlight how special Creed Humphrey was. Uh, I, I feel like OU's tradition with offensive linemen is, is you know, especially recent history, is so deep that it's easy to just be like, oh, you just replace him, beat him, but we'll get it anyways. But, you know, those were those were great players, um, and it, and you know honestly Andrew Ray might be a great player one day, but right now it it, it is so much easier to say oh, yeah let's just put in another true freshman like we did with Creed and the work, uh, and I think for the future we have to kind of pump our brakes on that, 
Um, because he's not there. He's not there at all. It's it's one of the weaker spots. Uh, in terms of leadership, it's all over the place. Nobody is quite on the same page assignment-wise. Um, and, you know, it's it said often that the center is the quarterback of the offensive line and has way more leadership abilities than you would, you know, honestly really ever expect, you know, if you and I just, you know, sitting from our couch or from the stands. And... Like you said, the leadership ability not quite there. The um, the skill set not quite there yet. Um, and yeah, you know, in retrospect, losing Creed Humphrey, massive, massive loss there. And uh, I think we have to kind of reevaluate how we look at you know uh, losing a line talent. Yeah, and I know that it's at least going through Lincoln and Beaton Bow's mind right now of like, could we switch things up just a little bit? You know, could we have moved Chris Murray over to center like we were considering in the preseason? Um, You know, could we move him over now and then shift Tyrese Robinson, who's been an absolute problem at the right tackle, does not have the lateral quickness. And I think a lot of the problem with Tyrese Robinson getting false starts and penalties because he knows he's not a true right tackle. He has to get an extra break off to get the edge rusher because he doesn't believe in himself. He's a guard. And and at the next level, and I understand p- kicking him out to tackle is better for preparing them for the NFL. They want to see versatility in guards and tackles to where you can play both. But if he's going to go to the NFL and play, which he needs to do a whole lot better, he's going to play guard no matter what because he does not have the lateral quickness and the arm length to play right tackle. And I think um, OU is regretting that, and they don't know what to do because the, his backup um, – you know, is it going to be Eric Swenson who has the same problem? And Wanya Morris is doing all of his work at left and completely went in to back up Anton Harrison. So if we would have put in Wanya over at the right and practiced him there and my, and pushed in, um, you know, Tyrese into the guard, I think we'd be having a whole different um, conversation this year um, about how our offensive line is doing because everyone's out of position, it just seems. Yeah. That, I mean, definitely. It, it, the, the whole line just seems all over the place, and Robinson is uh, absolutely a problem um, in terms of just, like, like you said, he, he needs that extra step, but it, in terms of discipline, he, he's been off. Uh, I, I believe he was responsible for several false starts, uh, obviously, and, that and horrible that horrible penalty, penalty that, you know, all, you know, really put throw that game back into jeopardy. Um, and Lincoln gave him an earful. So, you know, hopefully he can, re- you know, respond from that, rebound from that, and, and, and get better. But, you know, honestly, that, that, is, that is such an issue. Uh, for yeah, sure. you'd think after that that his leash is definitely a lot tighter now. Um, I feel like that right tackle was a very loose leash because, like I said, there's not many people behind him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he screws around in the Texas game that we give someone else a different – we send out Swenson at the right tackle. Um, yep. You know, there's I we moved Bray Walker into guard and he hasn't played tackle in a while, but maybe he moved in the tackle doubtful. But all in all, you know, Tyrese is not solid in that spot anymore. Um, to be completely honest, I don't think anyone has a solid hold on their job. You know, Marquise Hayes, he's had his moments as well. It looks like he is the same old Marquise Hayes that we've always known. We'll get a really big pancake block, a big, nice play. We'll look good in a counter. The next play, he'll do something stupid. Yeah, it's it's about consistency, and you know that this old line just hasn't they haven't found a combination that just works. And you know, if look if it was working, even like remotely working, it's getting closer. 
um, I would be like, hey, let's stop switching things up. But, you know, this is stuff that should should have been happening in the offseason. Um, this might be a situation where maybe Beaten Bow and everyone were like just way too hype on this uh, or, or buying into this hype way too much because, you know, it, whatever, this is not working. So they got to, they have to change it up. Um, and, you know, Texas, you know, Texas is like the last place in the world you want to be trying to fiddle with things and change things up in the Cotton Bowl because that is, you know, that, that's where you have to figure yourself out. You have to, ha- you know, put your best foot forward no matter how good or bad you are. And um, that's something that could get you beat in the Cotton Bowl for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, okay, let's move on to some of the other parts of the offensive line or the offense. Um, obviously touched on the running game. Uh, Kenny Brooks, goodness gracious, so good to have him back. Am I right? Yeah, and he completely said, I'm the number one back. We're not splitting carries with Eric Gray anymore. 15 carries for Kennedy, four for Eric, and he looked like the Le'Veon Bell-esque running back that we had been promised um, that we missed all of last year. Was reading the blocks correctly, was choosing the right holes, was very meticulous, and it showed in his averages. You know, he was averaging sixty over just over six yards a carry, and he was opening up our offense. That's why we need a solid running game, because then Spencer can have open halfbacks to Jeremiah Hall, you know, open throws to some of the, uh, you know, Marvin Mims. You know, Mike Woods gets a lot more open whenever those running backs are a threat. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. It, it opens up everything because you can't, you can't just sit back and, you know, let the OU running or the OU passing game just not know what to do. Um, and you even saw Spencer Rattler take some advantage of, the, advantage of that at times when they were sitting back. Uh, his willingness to run seemed a little bit more than usual. But, you know, Brooks establishing the run, just like letting him get his damn 15 carries, letting him grind, that was key. Um, one thing I did notice, uh, Eric Craig obviously did play a bit, but um, I found it interesting. Uh, they had Gray rec- uh, actually, you know, playing out of the backfield as a re- you know as a receiver. Uh, Brooks didn't t- uh, touch the ball once uh, through a pass, so I-, I think that's kind of interesting, and I I think it shows you where Eric Gray is successful. It's when he has that space, when he's allowed to kind of cook, when he's allowed to work a little bit. Um, but as a, as a just straight up, like, let's line up and, you know, run the damn football, Kennedy Brooks is absolutely that guy. Yeah, Eric Gray's the big play. I mean, if you give him a big hole, he's hitting it and he's going. You know, you give him a screen, he's going, making plays. But it just diagnosing the defensive line and finding the correct gap up to go, you know, that is, that's Kennedy's game. And I'm really glad that we figured that out, and this is what we needed on the offense. I think that – all of the con- the majority of the concerns, I understand there's a lot when it comes down to the secondary and then a little bit of the linebackers on defense, but OU's identity this season and what's been frustrating fans is because we're not looking right. And this game offensively, even though we didn't get as many possessions as we wanted to, we just looked right because we finally had that running game and Lincoln without a solid, consistent running back, it, it's never happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's been the most underrated part of OU football uh, since Lincoln Riley's taken over is just always having good running, running backs. And, you know, um, the addition of more Jeremiah Hall touches, more involvement there, it's, it's going to help out with our depth, uh, which I'm a fan of. I love the Bullfrog, and he had a great game, I, I feel like. Uh, a sneaky good game. Uh, as a receiver, was very, very uh, invaluable as well. Um, 
But uh, let's talk about the receivers as well. Um, a very balanced performance. Uh, no one got more than four receptions. Um, and Marvin Mims, he's back, I guess. Uh, 71 yards, four, four catches. Pretty solid. Yeah, that 40-yard catch was a breath of fresh air. I was talking about we have not had many big plays at all this year. And whenever he caught that and ran a little bit, I think the announcer says something like, oh, there he is, or there's the big <laughs> play we've been looking for. Um, that was big. I was very proud of him. How about Drake Stoops and his catch? He went back for it and caught that whenever he went for 20 yards or so. Um, that was an impressive catch. He has got stick him on his gloves. And, you know, he is – we keep on talking about him. We just say, and Ty always like to say, there's no excuse for a team like Oklahoma where Drake Stoops is one of your most for sure wide receivers. But yeah, he doesn't, maybe the physical tools aren't there when it comes down to height and a little bit of speed in comparison to his height, but his hands are top notch. Yeah. And he's just so reliable. Like if you need, if you need a big conversion, just throw it to Drake Stoops. Let the kid, let the kid, let the kid work. Um, and he, he always like kind of slips under the radar a bit. Um, but man, he, he is so invaluable to this offense. Um, I, I just, just love watching him play. Uh, I gotta say also shout out Jaden Hazelwood for a, a really solid block on uh, that blocking. One. Yeah. Ooh, That's good. Cause you know, if, if yeah. he's not having a big game, cause you know, he views himself as a, you know, a wide receiver one, a guy that can be a first round pick in the NFL draft. Cause he's, that's just how he, you know, coming out as one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in the country at a high school, you've got to have that attitude to you. But if you only have one catch in the game, but he still has the wherewithal and the drive to go out and block like that, that shows a highly high character and strong guy that I really like. Yeah, for sure. I I, I love it. And that's, that's what makes CD lamb, CD lamb, for example, is uh, his, his blocking ability set him apart. Uh, that's what that, that's what separates every big NFL receiver OU's produced. Sterling Shepard was the same way. Mm, it's the blocking block. ability, and that's um, that's just huge. Uh, I also got to give a shout out. Uh, Braden Willis, pretty solid game, sneakily as well. So the the, the podcast boys on their end uh, had a, had a pretty damn good, pretty damn good uh, performance, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And I guess we can just move on to the game ball. Um, it's got to be Kennedy Brooks. There's no doubt in my mind. You can make an argument for Spencer. I understand some people are going to dock him for that interception, but that was more of a, I'm just going to throw it up, hope for a penalty, hope for a for sure catch. If not, it's my punt. So I'm not throwing too much stock into that interception, but Kennedy, like I said, Kennedy Brooks and him opening up the running game opened up everything else in our offense. Yeah. I mean, Brooks is the, he's the guy for sure. Um, that, and, and you know, that the entire running game, is the entire key to this offense. It opens up everything. Um, I will say, leaving the stadium, I, I was writing notes and gave it to Jeremiah Hall, so I'm going to stick with the Bullfrog. Uh, even though the stat sheet doesn't look that impressive, uh, in the stadium... Two touchdowns. I kept, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns, yeah. He, he did what he needed to do. He, he popped up at good moments. Um, and, you know, I, his his added versatility to the running game was, was key. And... Um, you know, again, he wasn't the the guy. He wasn't the MVP, but he had this like kind of he, he added an element to this offense that you know OU sorely needed. So I'm gonna give it to the Bullfrog. Why not? I love it. Yeah, I did enjoy you know his two runs. It just it felt like they couldn't get him down on the first touch. And then whenever they said the underhand scoop throw, um, they're like, "Oh, Patrick Mahomes." Asked. Guess what Patrick Mahomes did today? The exact same type of underhand throw to Clyde Edwards-Hiller. So that's just- oh, man. 
I mean, it's pretty cool. So, uh, you think he's taking notes? No, no I, I, think that, yeah. I, think, I think that Lincoln is taking notes on the best offense in the NFL. Um, oh, clearly, yeah. Hopefully, not taking notes on their defense and secondary. Fair um, enough. Yeah, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a week five offer that every football fan should jump on. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Now look, the last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I would say this one's uh, pretty much a no-brainer. And look, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, like Oklahoma, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed because everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. They're giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So, what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, throw down $1 on an NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's move, let's move on to the defense. I, I want to say a couple things about them and little things that I am concerned about moving forward um defensive line got contained by k-state's offensive line um and it wasn't something we're familiar in seeing this um this year our pass rush was not to the point where it's one of the best in the nation um k-state has a very veteran group that was very strong and was protecting a skylar thompson who was not mobile in the slightest um and probably just you know if we would have gotten some pressure and pushed him out of the pocket we could have really done well so that K-State offensive line was very much their MVP. We can talk about the linebackers in the secondary, but what did you think about our defensive line's ability to get um, a pass rush? I mean, they, they felt close a bunch of times, but it, as you as you said, it's about finishing. Um, that that I, I, I know you were talking about a, a different aspect, but it's across the board. Um, uh, and, you know, maybe some of the more biased folk on, you know, Twitter or, you know, the, Look, there's holding every play, but man, it kind of felt like Perrion Winfrey was getting getting just absolutely. Uh, he felt like he was getting held, but that shouldn't be an excuse, you know. You, you really should break through and you know and, and get to him a little bit more. And you know they they were getting close, but you know that's the difference. If that was Will Howard, there would be a lot more issues. <laughs> um, and and to be fair, Thompson did put the ball in some precarious situations that OU just dropped. Um, oh, I mean, there were there were opportunities to get off the field, but the, the how you get off the field, how you go from you know getting close to you know actually having a uh, a big win here is you know you know making that extra difference, making getting there a second or two early, uh, and doing it more consistently, and you know frankly the D line just uh, did not do that um, this game for sure. Yeah, and I think, like I said, you know, I believe in the talent of this defensive line and them having a, you know, an all right game. Um, I really chalk that up a lot to the K State's offensive line how they played. They were very solid, and um, and I. Th- but I, one thing I do want to say is, 
Um, losing Jalen Redman, I thought we'd be just okay. But last week, I, when watching the tape, um, I saw a little bit of a difference. And I was like, okay, I think we'll still be fine with our backups at D-tackle with Josh Ellison. Um, but I think we would be, we're would. we kind of missing him a little bit. He was extremely versatile. And is a, the more the merrier on the defensive line. Yeah, absolutely. And especially for a defensive line that loves to shift as much as it does, that loves to rotate as much as it does, you know, losing a piece to that is is, is huge. Um, and like you said, the versatility. Uh, he he is a obviously a large gentleman, but he, he does have a little bit of speed to him. He he isn't he isn't Nick Benito for sure, but he he's a, <laughs> he, he he does stuff that a lot there are a very, 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 very small amount of human beings that are that large that can move as fast as he can. Um, yeah. And just in the world. So having what, you know, there aren't a lot of them on this roster and he is definitely one of them. So uh, Redmond needs to get back uh, to, for this D line to start getting back to its um, full potential. And it, it goes to the, to what I was saying earlier. It's about speed. It's about getting there. It's about that extra second. And, you know, um, you know, th- th- those extra seconds in your 40 time, uh, as, as a D lineman, you know, that, that can help do it. So, um, that, that is a skill set we desperately need back in the rotation. Yeah. And I feel like once what we've seen this a lot this year, Perry on Winfrey is famous for this and Isaiah Thomas has been doing it frequently this year, even though Isaiah Thomas had a good game and he, he got in the back of a lot is once we get back there, we've got to contain the quarterback and get the sack. Um, you know, once we give pressure, these quarterbacks aren't Spencer Rattler, and as soon as they see any pressure, they're rolling out and they're throwing crazy, stupid stuff. You know, the the, the teams that, like we've been playing have been very composed quarterbacks. Skylar Thompson was taking the pressure that we did give. Um, and was very composed in the pocket. He did not have much, um, you know, room to run. But I think knowing that in the back of his head, it was like, I just need to go and just make my throws and I can't run and just be too helter-skelter about things. And I think it was overall positive in his passing game. Like looking at his stat line, like 29 to 41, 320 yards, three touchdowns for a guy who knows he can't run the ball. A guy that has roasted us on running throughout his past couple of years as a quarterback who had negative yards running and didn't even try to run. He had one rush and I think that was the sack. That was the sack. So he yeah. never ran the ball once. And he shouldn't have because he was clearly physically off. Um, and he was obviously a late addition um, in the pregame, you know, starting lineups video. Uh, they they showed Will Howard as the starting uh, quarterback and he got booed. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that K-State it. fans also hold that sentiment against Will Howard as the pod does. The, the K State or the K State fan to the right of us, uh, I believe, referred to him as horrible Howard. So, uh, <laughs> uh, sadly, now you can use that, uh, I, I suppose, for me. Uh, but yeah, no, it just Thompson was a game changer, um, even though he couldn't run, which is like kind of the biggest part about Skylar Thompson. But just as a pure quarterback, he was he was very solid, uh, very very surgical, um, and you know, uh, but but like we were saying, when you have a physical ailment, you know, when he's beat up like that, you, you, you gotta get to him. You gotta pound him. You gotta make it uncomfortable for him. Um, and you know, Hey, credit to K state. You know, they, they made sure his guy, their guy did not get beat up for sure. Um, so we, we touched on this at the earlier part of the podcast, but we couldn't, we just couldn't get the damn team off of the field. Uh, how much is that? How much of that is at that second level? Um, 
you know, those slants, those, um, you know, kind of, you know, the, the, those small bit passes. Um, where does the responsibility fall uh, there for, you know, figuring out how to make sure you, you don't have just a billion slants like it's NCA 14? Oh, it's huge. And I, I still don't see us doing that much better against the slant. Um, it's something that's clear as day that you can see that even your average Joe and the sidelines notice that we're just getting roasted on the slants. Um, Billy Bowman had one deflection on a slant in this game, but he's the nickelback. He should be doing that. That's what nickelbacks do. They play press coverage and they get in your face. Our outside cornerbacks are not. They're not doing that. I don't, I don't know what Jaden Davis is doing. Jaden Davis looking rough, um, you know, and when it comes down to cornerbacks, we need him to be solid. Um, I'm tired of seeing these young freshman defensive backs regress. Uh, it was a topic on the message boards I was reading, and I I feel like as long as day in Oklahoma, we get these guys to do great their true freshman year, and then they drop off slowly. You've seen it with Jordan Thomas, you've seen it with Zach Sanchez. You've seen it with, um, you know, Jaden Davis. Uh, there's way more examples I just can't remember, um, but it happens way too often. Um, Parnell Motley was a name that Parnell was kind of like that. He got and better he towards the end. Back. He, he came back r- around, but there was a period of time where he was kind of on that list, but he did come back around. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, <laughs> I, I just, I don't know who you would blame for that. Um, I don't know if it's coaching. I don't, I don't, I don't really know what, but, um, it's gotta, it, it's gotta, it's gotta be fixed. Um, because it's, it's getting frustrating for sure. Um, but, um, General. I think, yeah, I think the big thing, though. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, though. Is we got to we got to talk about the linebackers because that is something we're concerned about them in the passing game. Um, this five to ten yard range passes are really what are hurting us a lot this season. Um, the past OU defenses, we we're worried about the deep ball and getting burned. Right now, it's these underneath routes and these where there's three or four seconds have gone by, and then all of a sudden they dump it down. Deuce Vaughn, ten catches, 104 yards. We know that's his game, and that's how he does well. But he roasted our linebackers on that. David Uguaybu is looking like, you know, he hadn't played linebacker his whole career because he hasn't. Um, he was, this was is not so his sad. natural position. Um, and you've seen it where he's gotten benched for it. He's not playing as much as Deshaun White, a guy that we were very out on recently because he wasn't t- making the right reads. So our run defense is good on the defensive line, so we're having to put Deshaun White out there and – Brian Asamo is also having the same problem of reading things correctly. Uh, our linebackers are just not seeing things right, which is just really concerning, um, especially for this Texas game coming against one of the best, if not the best, running back in the country. He does everything in Bijan Robinson. Well, it, yes, that definitely a concern. And the, I think the problem is, you know, just like with the offense uh, at times, it's it's about layers and um this team is not really suited to like sitting back and trying to you know make reads and you know um, you know try to cover these sort of things, which is a problem. You should be able to do that, uh, but um, when you're not you know getting that pressure, not making those hits, you're forcing guys like Brian Osamoa, who you know poor poor guy, it looked like he had concrete in his shoes trying to <laughs> trying to chase down Deuce Vaughn. Uh, that's just not his strong suit, and that's that's kind of a problem when you are that hyper-aggressive, um, you know, it, it, it works when, when you're getting sacks, getting takeaways, it works great. But, um, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know if the personnel is physically, you know, um, kind of set up for that style of game. So, you know, it, 
if you are going to play like that, you gotta gotta get hits because poor, I don't want to see poor David Ogwebu have to tackle Deuce Vaughn again. That was so sad. <laughs> yeah, he, David Ogwebu is way too big for that. He's he's already a big linebacker. Watching him chase um, Deuce Vaughn was really <laughs> sad. And the, I think these opposing offensive coordinators have found this out about the about us that. Um, our outside cornerbacks have the same two weaknesses and they do not do well in press coverage. Um, and our, and our inside linebackers, all three of them have the same weakness in that they are not well, and they do not do well in open space. They are good, you know, going downhill, hitting gaps and playing the run, but, you know, playing the space and the pass game or in the zone is absolutely none of their repertoire in the repertoire. Um, so, um, they're just going to keep hitting us with these short little, um, dump downs to the running backs and slants to the wide receiver. If we don't change something and help them out. And, um, whether that be, you know, uh, kind of show some, some gadgets with our safeties and move them around, which we might not be able to do because our safeties have been hurt with Delaren Turner yell being out. He should be back for, um, Texas because he was kind of a close in decision, um, for K-State, but ended up not traveling. Um, he should be good to go. Um, but do we need to bring up one extra safety in the box and play one safety high? Would that be helpful? We we need to do something a little bit different. Yeah, uh, definitely need definitely need some tweaks for sure. And the amount of times Deuce Vaughn was just wide open, you know, in the flat were just infuriating. But, you know, um, I don't know. We, we got to figure it out. We got to figure it out because right now, you know, watching watching these these guys try to try to cover – um, and sit back. It, it, it's like watching watching me attempt to talk to women in eighth grade. It just didn't work. It was just incredibly. They tried awkward. hard though. They try really hard. It just doesn't work. Be, but again, they're just not equipped for that. Just like me, I, I, I tried very hard. Just honestly, did not work. But uh, anyways, um, yeah. So let's let's kind of pivot over to game balls. Um, Jameson, I have to give mine to Delarian Turner yell because he, uh, he missed the game and we really missed him. Uh, so I, 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 it shows I feel... you how special he is on this defense that, yeah. that him being gone, put us all where we had to put key Lawrence out there, dropping INT. Exactly. Delarian Turner yell would have caught that. He would have, Delarian Turner yell would have four picks. It would have been great. Uh, so he clearly gets my game ball. No, for real though. Um, I, I, you know. I kind of really loved Justin Broyles in this game. I feel like he had some really mm-hmm. big hits. Uh, when things started picking up in that second half, when they were starting to, you know, make the right reads, get the pads popping, um, you know, I, I feel like he was a standout uh, as that game progressed. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I don't like giving game balls to coaches, but shout out to Alex Grinch for making adjustments at halftime. Uh, that, that unit looked significantly better uh, in the second half, I think. Yeah. I, I like the way Broyles played. He played aggressive. Um, he was not letting the runners and um, catchers come to him. He was going towards them, which has been a problem for us this year. Um, he had that great play where he blew up the, the uh, little bubble screen or whatever it was to the right side um, and popped him. That felt really nice. I was thinking about giving it to Justin Broyles, um, and I still might do it, even though I want to pick something different. I just like the way his aggressiveness and the way he played. And the defensive line, they just didn't didn't do enough, even though they did decently for me to say, yeah, I need to give it to one of them. Um, I think, yeah, Justin Broyles is my game ball as well. There you go. I love it. Love it. Love a good game ball sweep uh, for sure. But you know, you're right. I, I think with the D line, you got to hold them to a higher standard, just naturally, because we've seen them we've seen them play at such a higher level 
um, both this season and in the last, uh, that it's like, yeah, I mean, a good performance, but was it game ball worthy? You know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but anyways, let's wrap a bow on this. I'm so happy to not have to worry about Kansas state, uh, this entire season, knock on wood, please do not make the big 12 tournament or sorry, big 12 championship. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for me. Um, if you want to talk about special teams, Gabe Burkich looked good again. Um, and you know, that, that kick return was garbage, but, um, I don't, I, I don't really know how much you can, uh, Tyrese's fault. It's Tyrese's fault. And you know, uh, maybe, you know, kind of their fault for not being prepared for the onside, even though everything worked out. Okay. Um, but you know, what, what are you, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? So. Um, That's just a scouting thing. They um, K State saw there is a weakness in the way we play. There's the the middle of the D, um, of this of uh, our kickoff return team is not paying close enough attention to the kick. They're getting ready to block and not worrying about um, being tricked. Um, I'm glad they did that because now they'll have that in the back of their brain, and no team will even dare to try that on us again. Hopefully, um, but before we move on, Bobby, um, did you have one more point? Because I want to hit Crute and Corner before we end the pod. Oh, absolutely. I was just gonna say. Got to give credit to Chris Kleiman. That guy is wily as hell. You see how he won all those games at North Dakota State with just like 100% just balls to the wall, like energy, uh, getting wild with it. You know, they it, it is never fun playing uh, one of his teams. You have to always be on, on, on top of it. And um, shout out to OU for having the energy to match it, even though they kind of had to because the game was close. Mm, for sure i completely agree he's a great coach um up there in manhattan for him and looks like a guy that be someone that could stay there for the long term you know signing the contract extension and all of that um last year was big uh but he kind of fits their culture and i I really hope that he doesn't get sniped off by somebody else because i think um he's an iowa guy um so i think um, that could be a so, Kirk Ferentz replacement right there. Yeah, because if Iowa continues to be playing well, like they're they're currently number three in the nation, and they have a huge game coming up this weekend, um, top five matchup. Um, is it Penn State, right? Um, yep. They're playing. And, yep. at, and it's at Iowa. If they win that game and they continue on, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be looking at him as a coach. Um, so I don't think Kleiman would leave um, right then and there because he just signed the extension and has a pretty decent buyout. But he fits pretty well in Manhattan, um, and I think they like him there too. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's a really good culture fit. And, you know, it, it took him a lot to leave uh, North Dakota State too. So um, I don't know. And as we know for uh, with Bill Snyder, uh, K-State, they, they'll keep you around as long as you can, just as long as you're not Ron Prince, who is garbage. Oh. Oh, God. What a a mess. Uh, Anyways, Jameson, let's hit that crude quarter. What do you say? David. Yes? What is this, David? This is a rooted corner with Jameson. Everybody dancing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'll keep this quick. We don't. We talked a lot about K State game because we didn't have to keep it short to talk about um, our next week's opponent. But there's big. There's big something coming up, and that is Gabe Brownlow Dindy is announced his commitment date for October 12th, which would be a week um, from Tuesday, the Tuesday after OU Texas weekend. And it is down in between us and Texas A&M. All of the experts right now have him pegged to go to Oklahoma. I don't know if he's going to squeeze in an A&M visit this coming weekend, which is a possibility. But just remember, he is an OU legacy. His parents went there. But also his dad just took a job 
um, to be a uh, minister in College Station. So there's a couple of pulling things, but the reports from a lot of the insiders on, you know, the crystal balls are saying that they feel um, like he's going to go to OU. And this is like the number one defensive tackle in the nation, guys. So this is a huge, huge deal and a once in a lifetime kind of thing for OU because not many of these guys that he originally, he's going to high school in Florida right now. They don't usually come to OU. So this is very big. So make sure you guys keep an eye on that. And we'll I'll remind you next week as well um, during the Cruton Corner. Yep, the, the, the rare Jaden Hazelwood uh, style connection where it's like, oh yeah, exactly. weird like legacy ties, but uh, I'm in Florida. It's awesome. Um, well, yeah, that'd be huge because D linemen, um, you know, the, like I said, they're hard to find. It's hard to find really damn good ones, especially at the tackle position. Uh, problem. So that would be, that would be a huge get. All right. James, yeah. And, 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 and another thing, just one quick thing. I'm sorry. I just remember this. Um, we, I didn't get to mention this last one, which I should have. We were talking about how is Chris McClellan, the high-end four-star um, defensive lineman out of Owasso, was going to deal with all of the drama that happened in Norma during his visit. Um, all of these crystal balls are rolling in for him to OU as well. Um, they're low confidence, though, um, so it's not like he's ready to commit to us. Um, but it's a battle between us and Florida. Um, so it's going to be a lot closer, and we felt like we were running behind Florida. It looks like we've kind of – taking the lead slightly. So this one's going to be another thing to watch out for. This defensive line class could be very good if we land both of those guys. Yeah, and, well, Florida and Dan Mullen, you know, falling apart would be very nice in that situation. Which Oh, yeah, completely it, forgot it, about it that. Could, thank you, could, Mr. Stoops. Yeah, thank, Mark Mark Stoops, you know, uh, that's the probably the second best Stoops in my book, uh, for sure. Uh, well, no, 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 oh, no, oh, no. Oh, number third, three, third, third, number third. three. Yeah, because oh, Drake, yeah, goodness. Drake's, I, I complete, duh, yeah, what am I thinking? And, uh, and no love for Isaac for quitting the team and no, pledging um, fraternities instead. Yeah, yeah, hey, he can do whatever he wants to do. Uh, he, he's, but not Isaac's, as good as Mark. <laughs> Isaac's probably, in that case, uh, fourth, fourth favorite Stoops. I can't think of another one, uh, but... Anyways, Jameson, thank you so much for uh, popping on for this OU K-State recap. Um, and I'm excited for OU Te- all of our OU Texas content we got coming your way. Um, the The Red River rant segments are going to be very fun. So definitely keep an eye on that uh, for all on all of our social medias. And uh, Jameson, give us a little preview. What, what are you going to be what are you going to be ranting about this week? Yeah, well, I think we'll throw a little short at y'all on Twitter or on Instagram reels and just little topics of the game or, you know, the culture around the game. Um, we'll each have our own little topic. And my thing that I'm very passionate about the fair is the corn dog. I think that it there's a specific way to do it. And, um, and it's, you know, what is Fletcher Corny Dogs? How do you get them? What is the correct way to get them? And the correct way is to not eat them in Norman at stupid golden chicks beforehand. So if you've ate a a corny dog from Fletcher's from OU Stadium, I'm not going to say it. Shame on you. We'll we'll save it for that. We'll save it for that for sure. Um, But I can't wait. We'll have a a, a variety of us giving us our our own individual rants for sure. But um, yeah, keep an eye eye out on all of our podcast streams. Um, Of course, of course, got to take a look at uh, the YouTube channel for all of the visual action as well. And uh, keep it tuned. We're, we're going to be having a very big Red River week. I can't wait. Uh, might get back into the writing game with a little uh, state fair preview as well. But um, yeah, just just keep 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 it tuned. And you know, um, it's going it's going to be it's going to be a fun week. I can't wait. So um, 
Anyways, that was the Schooner Pod, our K-State recap. We will see you next time when we talk about Texas. I can't wait. Y'all have a good one. Talk to you soon. Boomer Sooner.